0: Welcome to Folk Roots Radio, I'm Jan Hall. All the best in folk roots, Americana, singer-songwriters and blues, and artist interviews. On Folk Roots Radio, as we love to say every week, we're all about the music and the people that make it. Now coming up on this episode, well, we have another great interview for you. We're going to be joined by award-winning singer-songwriter, writer and broadcaster, Krista Couture who describes herself as queer, disabled, and proudly indigenous. She's mixed Cree and Scandinavian. Krista has experienced more loss in her life than most people can ever imagine. And yet has found a way to use her music and memoir, How to Lose Everything, to shed the grief and rediscover her joy. And it's a very inspiring conversation, and one I think we'll all get something from. But before we get there, From Christa Couture's 2020 EP Safe Harbor, this is Rebuild.
1: Careful, you're in shock. Like I'm one to talk a lustrum of this loss and still. yourself be broken travel the age
0: award-winning singer-songwriter, writer and broadcaster Krista Couture, with rebuilt from her wonderful EP Safe Harbor that came out in 2020. An artist who describes herself as queer, disabled and proudly indigenous, she's mixed Cree and Scandinavian, she's experienced more loss than most people can ever imagine. Childhood cancer that led to the amputation of her left leg, A second bout of cancer, this time of the thyroid later in life. And she's also lived with the tragedies of abortion, the deaths of two sons in infancy, followed by divorce. And now that's all been captured in her very well-received memoir, How to Lose Everything, which came out in 2020. She continues to make great art in both music and literature, with a willingness to share her story and inspiring attitude to life through broadcasting, public speaking, and now film. And she's just released a great new uplifting single, To Us. So there's lots to talk about. It's my great pleasure to welcome Krista Couture to Folk Roots Radio. It's great to be able Thank to talk you to so you today. Much.
2: Wow! Oh my gosh, it's my pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, you know, the bio says it all. And in fact, I think... You actually have a better way of describing your bio, don't you? Your grief bio.
2: Yeah, I often well when it comes to the book especially I talk about my grief bio, which is the the bullet point losses of cancer, amputation, death, death, divorce and more cancer. <laughs> I mean, it's the it's like I guess it's an extraordinary list. I mean, we all have those key moments in our life though where we look back and go, "Ah, that's when everything changed." <laughs> um and 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 that's mine.
0: Yeah, well, you know, we do. I think that the difference and obviously why it was so important for you to write the book, you know, how to lose everything is the fact that we don't have to be defined by our losses, right? I mean, that you know, mm-hmm. grief is something that we all have to deal with. But unfortunately, we also all know people who sadly have have experienced loss in life, you know, any of the losses that you've described and haven't been able to to reach a point of of getting beyond it, and and that's heartbreaking when you you see that. So, it is wonderful to have people like yourself who truly are role models for the rest of us. That you know you don't have to let these things change who you are. You know you can still be positive and upbeat, mm. and you know and and give the impression that you know every day is a joy. I, I guess there have been lots of days though. Uh, through your life when you wondered about what the heck, why me?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've definitely had long stretches of of hopelessness. (laughs) And, you know, it's true. I think, you know, exactly. We all experience grief. It's absolutely universal. And at the same time, there's something about some of my losses, you know, like the fact that I lost two children, like that's quite uncommon, at least in, uh, you know, Canada and, um, you know, or even my social location, the access I have to healthcare and what have you. Um, and so I wrote the book kind of in part to sort of give some insight into what these specific losses are like. But then, like you said, to kind of give back and say, this is how it was for me. If you are going through your own version <laughs> of grief and you're not sure, you know, what might come next, this is an example. And I think, you know, in that period of time, particularly after the the deaths of my two sons, where I was having you know hard day upon hard day, there were books there uh you know were songs that reached me. There's a way that we you know that artwork kind of reaches us that almost nothing else can and i I wanted to kind of give back and to contribute to what's available so that my book might find someone who needs it in that moment that they need it.
0: Yeah, no, it certainly does. We're actually going to talk a little bit more about the book later on because I would do want to encourage our listeners to check it out. But, you know, this is a music show, although I like to blur the edges <laughs> quite a bit. But uh, I wanted to, to start by talking about the music. Uh, we played Rebuild from your Twenty twenty EP Safe Harbor. And then you've got this amazing catalogue. I think was it four albums, four EPs? Is that about right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And you know, one of the things I love is that it seems to me that almost every song you write could live on its own. And, you know, (laughs) it doesn't necessarily have to be part of a package. Although, you know, over the years, I mean you've you've, you know, wrote a beautiful album. Uh, about your you know going through divorce long time leaving I mean that that is fabulous and you've also you know talked about the the unimaginable loss of as you mentioned one child and then another child through your music so you have found your music a real way to to share some of these stories I think it probably must be very cathartic for you to write songs is it
2: yeah you know I've always written about myself. <laughs> just like i'm I've yet to become a like non you know a fiction writer in either music or or in my writing because it is it's my go to, you know, and it's a way that I have found to process you know what I'm experiencing. and then once I shape it into something that I want to share or make public or perform or record, you know. It's a way to feel seen and feel heard. And with these experiences that have been, you know, lonely or confusing or, uh, you know, it, it, it's been really powerful for me to have that outlet. Like, I think I feel I've always felt very lucky that I knew what my thing was. Like, I think if I were a gardener, I would have just been digging in dirt for five years. You know, like we I do <laughs> some not believe are, that
0: you know, I do. You know, if you were a gardener. <laughs> You know your your garden would be you. I am hundred percent sure. I don't actually. <laughs> yeah. I should ask you whether you actually are a gardener. Because, no, no, <laughs> no. Because I hundred percent believe that if you would chose to be a gardener your garden would be incredibly interesting in so many different ways.
2: (laughs) It would reflect me. Yeah, I guess, you know, I I think of it's like whatever, you know, for some people it's cooking, like the thing that you do to kind of move emotions through your body, you know, Or and and for me it's music. It's that thing that I do to, like, get it out of my head and into the world. Absolutely at times it's been very cathartic. I mean, I think for me when music is cathartic, that's in that, like, creation process where I'm just, like, alone and – banging on a piano and it's a mess you know by the time you perform it or record it you've crafted it (laughs) into something Um, but I mean we know this even as listeners right music just it's like nothing else when it comes to the way it connects with emotion and and helps us feel our emotions and uh, so yeah I've put a lot into my music over the years.
0: Well let's talk about we're going to go backwards a little bit before we go forwards again but let's talk a little bit about Safe Harbor because That was an album you recorded with the wonderful Jim Bryson up in his Stitzville studio near Ottawa. You know, what can I tell you about Jim Bryson? He's just fantastic as a performer and amazing as a producer. And he has an ability to really bring out, you know, what people want to express through their music. That also is you, though, because Mm. uh, the thing that's neat about Safe Harbor, and I think you said this in the... The release that came out was that these songs you know they weren't related to necessarily any of the tragedy that you personally had experienced but there's still quite a bit of tragedy in there i actually chose to start with rebuild because we're in these strange covid times which you know i should preface this for the listeners i hope things are good when we're actually you know broadcasting this interview because it's honestly it, it is quite the roller coaster who knows? for everybody who knows yeah <laughs> Yeah. Um, So I thought, well, you know, we hopefully will rebuild after this, right? Yeah.
2: Um, Yeah. And that song, um, I got to record, I was commissioned to write that song for a series on APTN called Amplify. And it was my first opportunity to work with Jim. And so we had done kind of that one song together. And then almost a year later, did the other four. I went and got, we had such a good time making one song together. I went and got some grant money, you know, (laughs) to do some more. But the, the really interesting thing about Amplify was the series of all, each episode was one diff- uh, different Indigenous musician. And we were asked to create a piece of music in response to another work of Indigenous art or or, or 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 Indigenous idea or ceremony or something. And that there would be kind of a conversation and we'd be bringing, you know, that idea and the song kind of together at the same time. And so I I wrote my song inspired by... Uh, Shri Dimaline's book, The Marrow Thieves, um, which is a fantastic book. But it's it's this exactly this idea that, you know, we will find a way. <laughs> we might not know what it is yet, but it's like a faith in resilience. Um, and even if there's still a mystery about what that next step to take will be or what the outcome could be, that there's a a, a kind of trust in resilience. I mean, I'm reluctant to even use the word hope. I think sometimes... I guess it's a version of hope (laughs) Um, uh, because there's something sort of realistic about it. It's like things might still get worse. We don't know. But let's, you know, just have faith in that we're in it together and that we'll do the best we can.
0: But that's also but the Marrow Thieves is also a story about being robbed of dreams, right? Which, again, would also give you another analogy to the the situation we're in now, except that in that story, it also speaks to. The Indigenous experience, and I guess you can go from you know being robbed of dreams to being well being robbed of dreams, being robbed of your land, being robbed yeah. of uh your lives.
2: Yeah. And I think in that book, so it's a kind of indigenous futurisms and it's, um, in the world, uh, everyone has lost the ability to dream except indigenous people. And so indigenous people are being hunted to find out why can they still dream and no one else can. So it's kind of this, this beautiful, like elevation of a capacity to dream or hope, regardless of, you know, things falling apart around you. (laughs) Um, and, uh, And yeah, absolutely. At this point in the pandemic, you know, we're almost two years in. we've all this loss of potential that we've all experienced, you know, the loss of our plans, the loss of what we thought was going to happen. I mean, um, yeah, I think those those connect very much.
0: And the other four songs that you put on the EP, again, I I think that's just one of the fascinating things about the way you write, because they are all they all have their own story. I mean, you know, tip, you know, it's not unusual to have an artist who produces lots of great music, but you can see that sort of theme running through. But your music, maybe you can say, well, you know, there's obviously a, a strong personal component to it all. But it's also, you know, you, you move the subjects around. Uh, I love Far, Far Light of the Stars from that, mm. uh, that EP. Tell us about that song.
2: Sure. I mean, it's true. I think there's, like, for me, my albums, like, are, are chronological. And that when I think of them, that's like, Oh, I wrote it at that time in my life. (laughs) So it's like, I see them as like kind of thematic and just that they represent a certain, you know, few year span. Um, and with safe Harbor, like you mentioned, I I wrote these songs kind of after those events of the grief bio. So they were coming at a time where I wasn't just grappling with loss and all that. I was kind of thinking, well, now what? Um, and, uh, so far, far light of the stars, the first kernel that that song came from was a conversation uh, with a friend of mine who is, who's trans. And they were just describing some of the, you know, daily acts of violence that they experienced just by being in the world in their body. And, and in this moment that we were having this conversation, I just so, I wanted to be able to just pick them up and and take them far away somewhere where they could just be safe and just be themselves without that constant, you know, threat around them. And so that idea of, like, I wish we were the far, far light of the stars. Like, I wish we could just go and shine and no one could touch us. And so that was where it came from, this very kind of specific moment. And then, you know, through the song kind of grew into that, a larger idea of that. Like, can we just shine? Can we just be ourselves um, and be and feel safe, you know, which is what we all deserve. And some of us, you know, have more of that than others. But um, everyone deserves that. And uh, so that's where that song came from.
1: Are you a writer, keeping your distance on paper? The medium is much safer, and maybe they'll understand later. Can't believe that anyone would ever cause you harm, but here you are in danger. I wish we were the far, far, far light of the stars. no sign of a change in the weather. And don't tell me to calm down, settler. I see that you're making no effort. I can't believe that anyone would ever cause us harm. But here we are in arms. At a safe distance.
0: Hi there, this is Aaron Costello, and you're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall. That's Krista Couture with Far Far Light of the Stars from her wonderful EP Safe Harbor. It came out in 2020. Christopher Couture is our special guest on the show today. I gotta say, I just love her music. She is one of those artists that's creative in so many ways. If you were here at the beginning of the interview, which I hope you were, you'll know that she is an incredible musician. She's very creative uh, performer as well. She's also a writer, and, and now she's starting to dabble in film. We're going to talk about film a little later. We're going to steer the conversation now, though, into to writing, because you put out this wonderful memoir, How to, to Lose Everything last year. I mean, it says everything in the title. Great title. Um, <laughs> yeah. It could put people off, but at the same time, I think for anybody who has been struggling with loss and grief, and, and unfortunately it is part of the human condition, it, it has you know, turned out to be uh, an incredible resource for people to deal with their own issues. I'm curious as to when you decided that you wanted to do this. Was this always a plan? Because, I mean, you, your own challenges go way back and you know, to what I think you were 11 when you were diagnosed with bone cancer in your leg.
2: That's right. Yeah. I, I hadn't really meant to write a book. <laughs> it wasn't a long time plan. I mean, the stories in the book, I, I had been exploring through music th- through these albums, you know, that we've talked about. And, but I, I felt, I felt like I was always kind of scratching an itch of like trying to express it, trying to say it, trying to put it out there, still feeling moved and motivated to keep. Telling these stories in some way, and um I was invited to write an essay for an anthology on motherhood called the uh, the m word. For me, the word essay just felt like high school English class or something. I just it wasn't really like it, I mean I, I felt like a blogger, like I wrote blogs, you know, on tour and that kind of thing. like I was writing as a musician. I was like doing some writing or social media, you know, and so it's not something I'd really done, but I was invited to write a piece about mothering when your children are gone. And um, so I wrote that piece called These Are My Children. And I found the experience of writing it really meaningful. I really enjoyed it. And the agent who represented that book, like, sent me a note and said, have I ever thought about writing a memoir? And I was like, nope, <laughs> I have not. But what would that look like? And we just got into conversations. And I felt really drawn to the idea. And initially, I was going to write just about my sons. And then kind of realized because of these other losses, like having cancer and like losing my leg I mean that's a thing not a lot of people know about that I, I wanted to zoom out into this kind of bigger idea of of you know each chapter is a different loss, and kind of here's this loss, here's that loss and it also meant not writing as hard a book for myself in a way because a whole book just about my my sons would have been harder to write, so I found a way to do it that was kind of you know, within my comfort zone, but still going to be something, you know, vulnerable and, and, and genuine. But I loved the experience. Like, I I think I might write another book. I mean, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's very different than writing songs. But I really liked it. There's a real puzzling, you know, real puzzle pieces to to a book. And so it hadn't been my goal, but I I just the opportunity came up and then I was drawn to do it. I mean, I could have said, no, I don't want to write the book, but it just it interested me. And uh and I'm I'm glad that I did.
0: But I think also the fact that you had written songs about some of your life experiences that created a roadmap for the book anyway.
2: Yes, absolutely. And even the fact that I had done, you know, interviews with people, like I think I had a, a strong sense of what I what I would be willing to tell. You know, like sometimes people say, "Oh, was it so hard?" And going back into these stories, and and sure, there was moments in writing where I would need to pause and just move through the emotion. But I already had some practice in a way of like, how much do I want to say? How much am I holding back because of course there's a lot of stuff that's not in the book you know um and so I'd, i I by the time I got to the book yeah, I'd had the songs I'd had performing on stage and telling the stories in between songs I'd had media so there there was kind of a sense of like how do I want to talk about this and so um yeah that really informed what what went in the book was all that experience
0: you know for instance a song like an invitation in three parts which is one of my favorite songs from 2012's the living record that that's a song about pregnancy right
2: yeah it that's a song where um it was this idea of pregnancy and no know, but knowing that either the pregnancy is not going to last or the baby is not going to survive and this there's this line at the end saying come for me now it's kind of the the mother and the child knowing that death is coming It's really dark when I say it like that. (laughs) It's one of my favorite songs too. But there's sort of, in the song, it's this kind of moment of trying to feel like an acceptance and still hold like love for this moment in this relationship. And and so it's a very tender song in that way. And yeah, and so that story is there exactly.
0: But it's interesting how you say that because I think people expect that when you talk about these things that can be incredibly dark, you should always be incredibly dark. But I mean, it's you know the the yin and yang and everything means that i mean that you know the sadness that we feel is actually not that far a- away from the joy that we can also feel right
2: right exactly there's this kind of connected capacity right our the depth of our sorrow and the the greatness of our joy i mean those are <laughs> those are linked <laughs> um so yeah they they go together don't they
1: Your meaning differing, very deep despite the sound.
2: This is Emily Millard. You're listening to Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall.
0: That's Krista Couture with an invitation in three parts from her great 2012 album, The Living Record. Krista Couture is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today. Your 2016 album, which I absolutely loved, and I've heard lots of people say it's a fabulous album. It's got a, you know, quite upbeat feel to it. It's entitled Long Time Leaving. And, it I mean, it's a breakup album. And, you know, you have breakup songs written in different styles, basically recounting the end of your marriage. Did you always think that you wanted to, you know, you know, rather than writing side songs about breakup, you wanted to actually go ahead? And um, was this more like, a again, that cathartic thing, getting it out there and saying, you know, I'm moving on beyond this? Because I, I guess that would be the time when you you officially came out yeah
2: I feel like that I mean that album and yeah it was a breakup album which feel you know that's like a songwriter cliche and I'd been writing all this other stuff before that you know cancer and perinatal death um so like okay a breakup let's do it and it is a really upbeat album in part because at that point in my life I just wanted to enjoy the process of making it I was like what's, what am I doing with my career right now? Um, you know, what do I want out of my music career? What have I accomplished so far? And I was like, I'm going to make this album for me and for the, you know, four other people in the studio <laughs> and we're just going to enjoy it. You know, Steve Dawson and Gary Craig and John Diamond, we were at Steve's new studio in Nashville at the time. And I just wanted to have fun. And of course, making music is, you know, really fun a lot of the time. And and so I that came through in like the production and in the style of the songs. So even though it's this breakup album and kind of coming to terms with that decision and that outcome, I was also just sort of trying to kick up my heels a little.
0: <laughs> and I guess that in its own way would have helped people going through this because, you know, you've had so many losses in your life. I mean, you know, you mentioned that, you know, just because you you know you can sit there and smile and talk you know in an upbeat way with people doesn't mean that you haven't you know had periods that were really dark during that but an album like this actually can really help people realizing yeah. that your life is not over after the
2: life happens. is not over and I think for me with divorce like of course it was it was really sad it was sad because of everything that got us to that point we'd had kind of you know, we were sort of doomed in some way, like how else, who how, who could get through the, those losses in a way together? And and it was asking a lot of our relationship. And so that is sad. And like, he didn't die. He's okay. We both needed to move forward and, you know, work towards being better, whatever that looked like. And so in some ways, there was also like this like for me, divorce wasn't a tragedy. It's not like a, a death or an accident, or it was like this is a sad thing that happened, and it's it's for a greater good. Like we're we're trying to to do something better <laughs> by moving on, you know. And I think for me, I find even with my you know sad, quote unquote sad songs, like I sometimes like to play with the music, not necessarily sounding sad. Like there doesn't have to be a cello, you know, you can, you can get from the lyrics, some of that sadness, even though the instrumentation might be more upbeat. Like I sort of like, like you just said, the yin and yang, I like to kind of play with that combination of, of what things sound like um, in a contrast to what I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah.
0: You know, one, one of the things that I love about the book is the fact that you made an effort to weave the songs into the book uh using you know the lyrics as as stepping off points but i think the even better thing from someone who you know who does radio is the fact that you actually went through your back catalog and and created a wonderful compilation that in some ways i think that uh i'm not even sure you appreciate how good that compilation is <laughs> of songs from the book which is entitled the Music of How to Lose Everything, which is available on Bandcamp.
2: Yeah, it's available on Bandcamp. I think it's also as a playlist on Spotify. Yeah, you know, I, I, I included the lyrics in, in the book in part because sometimes I've told a piece of these stories already really well in a song. <laughs> so here I'm writing the book and I'm saying a lot more and I'm adding a lot more information. And I still would be like, but you know what? that song kind of got to the heart of it. So I wanted to include some of that. And also, you know, there's people who might come to the book who don't even, you know, have never heard my music before. And so I wanted to make, you know, the the album on Bandcamp so that they could hear, you know, they're reading the lyrics, but then they could go and listen to it and get that layer of the delivery and the instrumentation and and that we would just add to this experience of of the book. And yeah, I guess it serves as kind of a, a... It's a cross-section from a couple albums, so it's probably a good starting point for someone um, if they don't know
0: my music, because it's it's like a a selection. Oh, yeah, I think it is definitely a very good starting point. And the neat thing is, if you buy the book, you could go to Bandcamp and and pick up a copy of the album. Uh, It's a name-your-price Bandcamp deal, so, you know, we are in COVID times. Life is difficult for artists like Krista, so if you you know are going to pick up the album, it would be... Nice if you could you know, leave, a, leave a few dollars with it or buy the book. I mean, personally, I'd encourage people buy the book, buy the album, because I, I, that's the best way you can support artists by actually buying their music. I think that that is a really important thing. The other thing about the book, though, is that you actually have a book club guide in it as well, based on this idea that we all have challenges. And, you know, as we know, the self-help industry is huge for good reason because we all need help and, and you can't always get to a, a counselor that sometimes you have to, to work on it yourself. A book like yours is perfect. Uh, tell us a little bit about the book club guide because I, I was really impressed when I looked at that. I mean, an opportunity oh. for people to to reflect <laughs> on things.
2: Yeah, I'm glad. I mean, I I worked with a friend on that to to put the questions together. I'd been invited to speak at a couple book clubs, so People who had chosen my book to to read and and discuss, and then they asked me to join them, and I, I thought, oh, I'd I'd like to sort of make some tools available for people if they want to do that with a book club or just on their own. That it's, um, you know, questions that might be you know thought provoking or or cause people to reflect on a, a different idea, and so yeah, I put it on my website just as as a resource for anyone reading the book or who wants to read the book with with others and talk about it. The hallways are neatly lined with boxes stacked. This is what eight years looks like packed.
1: And it's difficult to know how to divide which goes through yours and which are mine. The house has never seemed heavier than this, even for all the empty rooms and the stillness bit lost here, I admit, but when I whispered your name to come back, it didn't mean teasing out the past, careful it's a fragile artifact, and difficult to decipher when you're still hurting, which part you're moving. Every dark secret, every dark moment, every dark night Every heart line, and every oversight
2: this is Lizzie Hoyt, and you are listening to the fabulous Folk Roots Radio with Jan Hall.
0: That's Krista Couture with Separation Agreement from her critically acclaimed 2016 album, Long Time Leaving. Krista Couture is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio today, chatting about her music and wonderful memoir, How to Lose Everything. You were, I have to say were, you were the uh, midday host on Toronto's... Element FM. That gig, I think you've decided to to let that go. You know, maybe you'll be back in broadcasting. Yeah,
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: because I think you're involved in a lot more things now, right? I tell us a little bit about this film idea because I think that came out of the book, didn't it?
2: Yeah. So I, yeah, I've left Element FM. It was on air for three years. It was a wonderful experience. A couple of years ago, I got a grant. Goodness, thank you, Canada Council for the Arts, um, to Create a short animated film based on an excerpt from the book. So there's this—the very final passage in the book is called "The Field Guide," and when I wrote it, it, it's kind of almost a uh, an epilogue. It's it's not written in the first person; it's addressing the reader directly. And and I imagined um, it—I just always imagined it being animated. And so I I pursued trying to get some funding to do that. I was really lucky that I I was, and the. The funding that I got—it was this thing called Creation Acceler- Accelerator. It was this new partnership between Canada Council and CBC. This is like boring grant stuff, but the like purpose of it was to develop something larger. So I—I I got to make this one short film with an animator, uh, Becky O'Neill, who's in Roseneath, Northumberland County, and. And at the same time, develop a larger project, which um, is now a series of five short animated films. And the series is called How to Lose Everything, just like the book. But each short film is written by a different uh, Indigenous writer. Each short film tells a kind of moment in time of of a personal experience of loss. Um, And each is being animated by a different... Indigenous animator, there's uh, stop motion, there's watercolor, there's digital, there's these different um, art forms. And it'll be for, it's for CBC Arts. So eventually it'll be on CBC Gem. And so we're just starting production. This week. And so in stepping back from element, I needed to like make mm. some space in my calendar <laughs> to produce these films. Um, and so I wrote and co-directed the first one, but now I'm, I'm just kind of supporting as producer on these other four and I feel so passionate about it. Like it's not a project that I, I kind of get intended. I've just been kind of connecting the dots that led to it. Um, but I feel so excited. Um, I'm just, you know, basically doing the paperwork to support these other artists making these films, and they're connected, you know, under kind of this overall theme and with the title of my book. But um, each one will be its own its own little thing. I'm just so excited about it. Animation is so slow; it's going to take forever before anyone sees it. But <laughs> but it's coming.
0: <laughs> I I think it's just fabulous. I I mean, it's just wonderful. You know, it reminds me a little bit of the Head Headspace series that. Uh, was on Netflix I love those I yeah. mean they, they, they you know they fit with my spirituality 100% so uh, I think you know I'm so pleased to hear that CBC Gem will pick this up because I think the more resources that we can have out there for people in different ways I mean that you know yes. animation is a a wonderful tool to reach a wide range of audiences um, yeah you know and, and I think that that is just that's just awesome you mentioned maybe another book. Um, are we going to be in nonfiction again, or do you think that do you have any desire to write fiction? I
2: it just I'm I'm amazed that people write fiction. There's even in songs when people invent characters and stories. I'm like, how do you how did you do that? <laughs> like, <it's> sort of <laughs> the people that can can sort of create a whole world. I'm not there yet as a writer. Maybe one day, so it'll be another nonfiction book. My I I and I I. I'm in the early, like I'm writing a first kind of couple sample chapters. I'm figuring it out. But I, the next book is going to focus on disability. And because oh. there's a bit of that in, in How to Lose Everything. There's a chapter about you know, when I had cancer and my leg was amputated. And there's a chapter that's kind of focused on my prosthetic leg mm-hmm. and sort of my experience with that. But I want to go into more areas of disability. And so it'll be part memoir. But I'm also going to interview a number of people, um, other people with disabilities, so that I can include some other perspectives, and and partly instructive, like just sort of my opinion <laughs> on you know language about disability and um, what not to say to someone, and kind of piece some of those things together. So partly instructive, partly memoir, partly journalistic, and bringing in other people's stories. And right now, the plan is that each chapter would kind of focus on a different aspect, like a chapter of language, a chapter on parenting, maybe a chapter on being parented, like those of us who who were kids with disabilities and had non disabled parents. Or, you know, there's so much in there. um, Dating, gosh, (laughs) something could be a chapter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I think it's wonderful. I mean, you know. Thank you. you you. uh, That's the idea. Yeah, my life partner having a lifelong disability and. Interestingly, it never affected our lives whatsoever, even from day one, um, yeah. but I learned a lot along the way, and I also know that a lot more needs to be done. You know, do you ever th- sit and back and look at your life and think, well, you know, wow, if you look at all these, I mean, experiences, like I said at the beginning, that you most people couldn't imagine having to go through, you know, death of a child once, death of a child twice, I mean, you know, losing your leg, divorce, I mean, all of these things. Did you ever think that this was the universe's plan that, you know, that, you know, you would go through these things because you were going to find ways to help other people.
2: I don't know. I, uh, I mean, I've thought about that. I think sometimes where I, where I struggle with that is, you know, we see people who have also a long list of, of, of tragedies or, you know, maybe not exactly like mine, but a, a long list of bad luck and, And who didn't make it through in in the same way that I did. And I don't think that it's because of just, you know, who I am or my resilience or my spirit, like, that's not to downplay that, but there's so much that I've been, you know, helped by. Like, I think that people will call me resilient when really resilience is, is contextual. It's our community around us. It's the resources we have. Um, It's our social location. (laughs) And, and, and I, I've been really lucky and privileged that there were things that carried me through. And so, um, was it meant to be or a plan? I, I've, I, I kind of grapple with those ideas because I, they're so, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have a good answer to that one. <laughs> I mean, I, I am grateful that I have found a way to make meaning out of these things for myself. I'm glad that I have found a way to... Kind of come to terms with some of these things, and and I've done that through these you know various outlets of storytelling, um, and it's meaningful that that can make a difference for other people, absolutely. And so I I, I guess I find meaning in it, but I I don't know. I wonder if if, if twenty twenty five years ago, if I knew what was going to come, mm. <laughs> I don't know if I would have signed up for
0: it. No, I, I'm sure you <laughs> I'm sure you wouldn't have. Uh, we're gonna yeah. play your new single in a few moments. Is there more music in the offing? I, I should mention that you did put out uh, a three-song EP, Unearthed, which was demos that had never made it onto other albums. And I'm going to say this out loud now rather than wait to the end of the interview, but the Declaration of Spring should be a single. Mm. Um, a Grief as this could definitely be a single too because that's an important song. So with that in mind, um, what can we expect from n- new music from you?
2: Yeah, music isn't in the foreground as much as it used to be for me, you know, for a variety of reasons. One, you know, we mentioned near the top, I had the thyroid cancer in 2015, but that really caused me to step back because my voice was impacted for a while. And and then in that time that I took... You know, off the road and stuff, I was like, it really gave me a chance to reflect on what I want to do. And then I wrote the book and I had a kid and now she's four and I'm kind of enjoying just being in one place. I mean, we're all in one place because of the pandemic. But (laughs) I sort of have been like, oh, I like this. I think at this point in my life, I don't know that I'd want to tour again. So music is going to music will keep coming probably in the way that this new single has like how I'm going to write songs. I'm going to record them. I'll put them out there. Maybe that won't be an album again. You know, that this whole album thing. I love albums. I love something, you know, beginning to end, but it's, it's uh, not really viable like financially <laughs> for a lot of reasons. Um, and so it's music will still be made, but I'm not doing the same kind of performing or touring that I was before. Maybe down the road, maybe when my kids a bit older. But the storytelling will be, meanwhile, also happening through writing and and film. But yeah, I can't I can't stop, you know, the songs from coming. I think even if I wanted to, they just show up unannounced anyway.
0: <laughs> well, you know, there there has been a quite a lot of change in the the way that music has been delivered, not just in the last couple of years, but you know basically i think since streaming started to become the main the main way that people consume their music yeah. uh things have changed and you know i i mean apart from the fact i'm buried in music these days it's all good which is is great um i'm perfectly happy to accept really good singles like the one we're about to play from artists and having a series of singles that maybe eventually you know find their way onto a collection i think is also a cool thing I'm excited because to us as a single we're about to play, and this is a song that is perfect for renewal, as we tend to do at this time of year, because New Year is upon us. And I think there was something I read in one of the press releases. that said, oh, maybe this will become a new New Year song. And I would say, yes, <laughs> in our house, Stephanie, it will go into one of my holiday collections. Uh, oh, be- good. Because it's a really strong song, but tell us a little bit about it.
2: Yeah, so it, yeah, hopefully it's a, a new seasonal favorite. It's a new a Happy New Year song, but with uh, some bitter sweetness. I actually wrote the song at the end of twenty fifteen, so that was the year that my divorce went through. It was the year I got thyroid cancer. I'd moved like three times. It was just kind of it was a really hard year, <laughs> and I was you know it was New Year's Eve, and I was in my basement apartment, just feeling like, well, what what now? <laughs> and so I, but I kind of had I felt like at the same time. Celebrating And and I wrote this song like that day and I just like put it on Facebook and, you know, um, and then enter 2020, 2021. And exactly, it felt like this could be a timely message where we're all feeling like we're looking behind us going, well, that was brutal. We're looking ahead going, I don't want to jinx it, but you know, or was, is this going to be okay? And kind of still wanting to have a moment where we can at least toast to the fact that we've made it this far those of us that have made it this far, I mean, we're, you know, our, our, I feel like our blessings, there's more blessings to count every day, like in the pandemic, if you're still housed and healthy and employed, like these are incredible <laughs> blessings. They always have been. And now somehow they're more so. And, and, um and so, yeah, the song is, is kind of just a toast to like, let's just take a minute to celebrate what we can celebrate. Ensure there's all kinds of stuff that might still be falling apart around us, but we're here. We're in it together. We made it this far and uh, to us.
0: That's great. And that's the essence of gratitude practice as well. We always have things to be grateful for. Mm. What can I say? Krista Couture, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens because this is one very creative individual. If you want to follow her, her website is KristaCouture.com. Lots of exciting things to come. We'll leave you with her latest single to us. And everybody else, have a safe and prosperous new year. And we'll see you next time. Thanks again, Krista.
1: Thank you. Oh, our human ways that we tally up the days We fold the corner of a page to keep our spot And then we act amazed to see a number change it's us that's rearranged when it's not Well, I'm not one to tell you, hun. it It'll be all right Of course it might be But here's the rub Not tonight So happy new year to choices, to losses and divorces, to all the good intent that missed the mark. Happy new year to illness.